Welcome to the Seek Outside Podcast. Yeah, there's there's no question to know. David Lean. And you were the uh, head chapter leader of Colorado VHA? Clay Hayes. Uh, well, I got stalked by a mountain lion, uh, made a fishing pole out of a lodgepole pine. Falconry and bird dogs, can they coexist? Oh man, and do they. Shitty weather and lots of bears. That's what this podcast is about. You made a point when you get up in those high basins and the thunderstorms come rolling in. That's how I got into trail running. Some people are just wired that way. Welcome to the Seek Outside Podcast. Today, we're talking hunting tents. We have Nathan Coleman. Hello. Owen, a.k.a. Stanky, a.k.a. Tootie Booty. Howdy. (laughs) And we have Ryan, who is our facilitator and audio engineer. Hello. First Seek Outside Podcast for me. Let's dive into it. I'm definitely the most rookie one here. So uh, I think I might ask some questions that you guys don't typically think of uh, as you guys have been enveloped in the world for so long. Um, But yeah, I would say, you know, hunting tents is probably the most common question we get in customer service. Uh, So many guys or girls call in, uh, you know, they just want an overview. They want, uh, you know, bottom up uh, explanation you know, they kind of want to dive into all the all the little parts. They want to know everything about it. Um, so maybe today we can just kind of go over everything. Well, I, so I think I think very basically they just want help figuring out what they need. First, I want to clarify that we're talking about hunting tents, but hunting tent and backpacking tent, they're kind of the same. I mean, I don't want people to think that these tents are made out of some sort of unobtainium or unobtainium or whatever i mean they can be used and we can fit almost any niche from small small tent and bivy style hunting all the way up to large base camp or horse packing type of tent as well and we can our tents perform pretty well i'm not trying to be a salesman here but you know i have no fear being up above timberline in a lot of our tents right and so they can handle just about any situation what it comes down to is finding the right tent for your situation and your desired use cases i i agree that backpacking tents and hunting tents have a lot of similarities they also have some pretty stark differences depending on the usage um for, and I, in my mind, the, the biggest difference is going to be, say, your summer backpacking 20 miles on the Colorado Trail um, and you're moving every night versus an elk hunter in November. Um, you know, you, you have a lot of weather you're dealing with there. Uh, you can get tent bound. You have a lot of dark hours of the day where you're going to be in the tent. So I think that really drives what people are looking for in a tent. You know, the summer backpacking, you want minimum weight because you're not spending much time in the tent at night. And but then, like a sheep hunting tent, it, yeah, not exactly, a lot different than, exactly. a, than, a back, than a backpacking tent. Yeah, exactly. You know. So it's, it's really purpose-driven, um, you know, what you're expecting to do with it. You know, if you're November elk hunting and expecting poor weather and long, dark nights where you're tent-bound you're probably going to size up, get a stove and, you know, have a more comfortable camp than if you're doing something that's much more ultralight. Yeah, exactly. Well, so me and Nathan were talking last night and um, we kind of broke it down into, you know, people are looking for three different things, right? Um, When you're making your decision, there's basically three different uh, criteria that you want to evaluate your decision on. And uh, those would be purpose, uh, performance and durability, and size and weight. Uh, so maybe if you guys could kind of break into that. 
Well, the, the purpose is kind of what we were talking about. You know, are you doing a sheep hunting mm-hmm. trip where you've got to walk in 20 miles and then walk out 20 miles with everything? Or, you know, is it a, you know, are you going in five miles and gaining a thousand feet of elevation and staying put for a week? Or are you climbing three, three K in three miles? And, you know, it's really, really variable. And the purpose also includes how many people do you need to fit in this thing? Um, you know, it's really going to drive what you have to have. Right, like a solo archery or solo sheep yeah. or tent um, where you don't necessarily know where you're going is going to tend to be lighter. It's going to be a smaller footprint, something that you can pitch at tree line, maybe above tree line in those cases. I really would favor Silex Eolus a lot of times myself right and i've seen people use dsts before i've seen them on ridge lines in alaska i've seen two of them linked but i would have a tendency to favor tents like that and they also pair with an inner and depending upon my expected conditions i might take an inner or maybe i might take a little stove depending upon which one and then as it gets bigger i would probably start to run with things like the cimarron right for later season by myself um, or maybe with another person and then as we get into late October early November if we're doing some of the hunts like Nathan and I've done where we have a pretty good idea where we're going last year we went luxury we went with a courthouse courthouse for two people camping at 10 8 <laughs> yeah and it's funny because I was just talking to a guy from Birch Barrel and he was talking about getting a tent um, for his family for hunting right because what we saw last year in our hunt, the guy who came in with his wife and daughter <laughs> in, in November, practically, and made them sleep under a, a low-slung tarp, tarp with a fire. 18 inches tall. Yeah. Literally. And, and we, we... Like bushcraft camp. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that bushcraft, bushcraft camp, but his wife and daughter didn't... They, they left after couple days they did they did not care for it wife was uh, not yeah. talking to him on the way out yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, wife, the wife was, out. she was the not wife, coming back the wife was never going on a hunting trip again yeah. right and so the guy from Birchboro I was just talking to he's like he doesn't want to say ruin his child by taking it on some trip that's yeah, going to be miserable miserable right yeah exactly. so he wants to take comfort with a bigger tent and some sort of stove better that, better experience yeah yep. and make the experience better right so yeah so maybe we could dive a little bit deeper into that too um we could lay out a couple scenarios that you know people might have might have and we can kind of go over what tents uh you guys would think well would be. we can talk about i guess me and kevin first season hunting 10 Ten five, right? About yeah, so that. early yeah. season Colorado. Early, early season Colorado stuff. You never know what you're going to get. Maybe snow, maybe 65, 70 degrees. We took a Cimarron for the two of us yes. and, and a stove. We ended up only using it, what, one night? A stove. Yeah. Well, just, I think maybe we used it two nights on yeah. the stove, but it was relatively mild. Yeah. No, it was, it was, and we took, we took a DCF, Dyneema Cimarron, um, and we took a U-turn. Yep. Um, so, obviously, we put a priority um weight on the weight and we didn't feel that we were going to need to burn the stove all the time but we we could have had there not been the dyneema cimarron we probably would have taken a sill cimarron and called it good it also seems like um you know in hunting trips you know it seems like you probably want to have well depending on you know what the weight cost is but i know for me personally you know if if you are having to spend you know multiple days in a tent with somebody else it's nice to have that extra space in there just at towards the end of the trip you know at the end of a seven day trip i've been in a tent trailer and you know you're sleeping 10 feet away from the other person but you still get a little aggravated towards the end of the trip so something like the cimarron is 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 spacious enough that for for me my dad we could stay 10 nights out at yeah. And, you know, with a stove, you still have room for gear. We had nice, comfy sleeping bags, nice, comfy sleeping bags. You know, we were uh, we we were comfortable. We were sleeping good every night. So If we would have taken an eight-man, it wouldn't have been 
a very different trip for us. Exactly. Yeah. Because we weren't spending, it was still early enough that there wasn't a lot of dark, the darkness wasn't obscene, you know, so we'd get back to camp and we'd make ourselves uh, uh, Heather's Choice or whatever type of meal, right? And we'd hang out a little bit and then go tuck in and go to sleep and, you know, wake up in the morning right about it, you know, as the sun was rising, get into whatever spot or whatever. It wasn't, wasn't really an issue. Mm-hmm. But like Nathan and I, the following season, we took a courthouse, big stove. Tons of we, gear. <laughs> yeah, we, we were living it up, you know. And I think, I almost hate to say this, but I do think there's an age component to it. I'm yeah. 40 now, <laughs> and I practically have to do yoga every morning to make my back not hurt. Like, I have to get up and stretch first thing in the morning. So being able to stand up in the tent and actually do some things and get dressed and, you know, have a dry line for wet socks and stuff where you can warm things up by the fire when it's cold and you're expecting bad weather, that really starts to make a difference. I mean, it, it yeah. really does start to make a difference. Yep. Getting going going from that early season simmer on where we aren't spending a whole ton of time in there, the likelihood that we have to dry out stuff and and really rely on on that space to to relax and hang out isn't super high, you know. But come come a later season, you know, it's definitely nice to get into something where you can actually put on your warm pants, actually put on your clothes, mm-hmm. actually you know hang out in there if if the weather does get bad. So something yeah. something like the courthouse. That's amazing for that. It's, yeah. it's it's tall. There's tons of standing room. It really doesn't have a huge footprint, so you can put it in the trees in most spots. And um, it's it's pretty ideal for that. You know, it just comes at a weight penalty. Yeah, now, the, the year before, I took a Cimarron to the spot where Nathan and I camped in the courthouse and set it up, had my little hot tent, and there were a couple other people there. There was a fire in my unit, over-the-counter unit, and it really closed off about half the unit. So there ended up being a lot of people um, in there. And so there was these other guys, and they were in just your MSR hubba-style tent, right? And they saw the stove, and I invited them in. And every night, two or three nights, they came in, we hung out, and they they bought a 12-man like a week later. Yeah. Let them do it. So that kind of brings you to a next question, right? Um, so, you know, Colorado early season, you can get away with a smaller tent. But I guess um, I would wonder, at what? so say a guy is hunting a Fognac Island, where it's somewhere where it's super rainy, uh, bad weather, you're probably going to be spending a few days in the tent. Uh, typically the smaller footprint tents are going to be a little bit better in the wind, right? It's not going to be catching the wind as much. It's, it's wind. The bigger the tent, the more wind they catch. Yeah. That's just, it's just a simple rule. So where do you guys find that? Where would you guys find that balance of, you know? Kevin, if you were camping on the beach on Kodiak. Well, I happen to know a couple guys that use a red cliff all the time. But how many um, people? I'd rather been a red cliff than a twelve they, if you were doing that. Oh, yeah. yeah, they've put in. They they do two to four people. They've done four in a red cliff light. Um, I know most people say, "Wow, that's tight," but they're used to uh, lightweight backpacking. Yeah, but they use the red cliff as their hunting tent for that kind of stuff. Maybe sometimes they've augmented it with a Cimarron size mid or something, but most of the time. They favor that, and probably for Kodiak, my I would favor in that area too. I might I might take the six man. Um, the six man probably has a little bit better wind performance at the top end, yeah. um, just due to shaping and that its profile isn't quite as big as the eight man. Yeah, but the red cliff has been proven to work. A lot yeah. of times, and it's. Yeah. I, I want to put down a very important caveat that wind performance depends heavily on the quality of the staking. Yeah. Yes, yes. If your stakes are pulling, your wind performance is not going to be good at all. Exactly. If your stakes are completely solid, your wind performance will be quite good. Right. So if right. you're on like a beach somewhere where it's super sandy, 
you're you're gonna you have, have any, to improvise stakes, or you're gonna have to do hands. something different. Okay. Although I know guys on Kodiak that have, I know a guy who uses our twelve man all the time, and uh, Mark, who was here, uh, that we were chatting with about, he has a really cool Kodiak trip coming up. Um, you know, he uses an eight man on Kodiak often. Yeah. So they they definitely can do the do and give you a lot more comfort. I think Redcliffe is probably a pretty good mixture, though. Yeah. And you're balancing, you're balancing weight, you're balancing space. I mean, honestly, the Redcliffe light. Yeah. Uh, four people in there isn't a crazy idea. No, so, no, it four isn't. Four people with a little bit of gear. Is, you know, if, if, you're, if you don't mind being a little closer to your, to your friends there. You, you have a DST outside or something that yeah. you stash uh, a lot of your a lot of your packs or whatever under. And, I mean, the Cimarron is a tent that isn't overkill for early season. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons it's our most popular tent yeah. is that it's not overkill for archery season or a sheep hunt. Yeah. Um, it's very versatile. But, but it's also not, it's not totally uncomfortable in late October, early November, 20 degrees as a hot tent snow coming down if, if you're tent bound you can you can hang out in there for a while yeah i think i think again it kind of brings you to the you're looking at your comfort and you're looking at your weight right so and performance obviously so i think that's why you see the popularity in those red cliff and cimarrons because you're getting in the red cliff very low weight for the size of the shelter and and kind of the same deal in the cimarron so and they're still comfortable. You're still yeah. getting a lot of space, and, and I think that's why you kind of see the popularity there for, for hunting tents being in the Cimarron and the Red Cliff very often. Yeah, I mean, you can you can kind of stand up in a Cimarron to put on your pants and stuff like that if you want, you know. Yeah, um, yeah you're not going to walk around like an eight-man. You're not going to have a dance like mm-hmm. a courthouse yep. or a 12-man, but you can still kind of stand up, you know. Um, There's a uh, circling back to people making their decision. I'm very mathematical in how I think about these things. So um, I've, I've got what I call the 80 20 rule. And we just in customer service talking to people, we find a lot of people, um, maybe it's their first big trip, maybe their first hunting tent, they're not as experienced. They buy the tent that fits 20% of their trips. And then they gear churn until they find the tent that fits them better. Yes. Um, people would be much better off if they would figure out what 80% of my trips are going to look like and buy the best tent for that use. And here's a perfect example. Um, most of my trips are solo. Sometimes I'll have a buddy come in for the weekend. Sometimes my brother-in-law goes with me, so I'm going to buy a tent that's good for three people. No. Buy a tent that's great for one or two people, and if your brother-in-law comes, he can get a tent too. Yeah, right, right. You know, you, you don't need to carry an extra four pounds of tent year-round forever for the off chance that your brother-in-law is going to come with you. Now, now there is one tent that can handle all There, this. There is. <laughs> uh, it's the little bug out. Yeah. Yep. You can buy the pieces and everything, but, I mean, this is just coming from... I'm the dude who designed the little buck out. Um, well, it's great at that, and it does an admirable job at a lot of things. Generally, the point products are more dialed. Like the Cimarron is more dialed at what the Cimarron is. The yeah. bug out does not make that good of a mid, right? So I think that in that case, a lot of times the point products are a little better, uh, but the little bug out does it all. It's more wow. versatile, but yeah. it's not going to be as lightweight or as dialed for any specific use. Exactly. Right. It's not. Right. It's not like if it, somebody somebody calls in and says, "I need a two-person hot tent." Cimarron, 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 Cimarron. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. Or but, I need a two-person hot tent that I can also do a family trip with five or six you know, with some kids. Well, you, you know, that may put you into the little bug out. Exactly. Yeah. For I mean, for a decent price point, you're getting into something that. Is a solo shelter and a and a six person shelter if you need it to be. Yeah. Um, so it's it's great for your family, great for solo no. hunting, you know. Now so. we have a trip, so let's choose our tents. Mm-hmm. We have a trip. We're doing a fly in caribou hunt. Five of us, right? Yeah. Um, here's what I think we're taking, and um, 
Excuse me. I had to belch. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I think we're going to take a six with a liner in case we get caught in extended crap. Yep. Right. Then I think we'll probably take an Eolus or Silex for one person. Hopefully we will have prototype of Guardian complete that another person could take, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we will probably also take something Cimarron size. Yep. And probably a DST. Yeah. Right. Well, so. a nice, a nice hangout shelter, and then nearly individual shelters for everybody else, right? Yeah, practically. Yeah. So, you, you know, know, you know what goes through my mind in a, a trip like that? What? Things that become important is camping in the high country in Colorado. I can wear earplugs and you know put a bandana or something over my eyes and black out i sleep great yep um you put me in grizzly area yep. i'm not i'm not probably not going to be doing the earplugs and then i began to wonder okay who snores do i want to be in a tent with someone who snores right um, you, know, you, you start thinking about things like that because it, it really can affect the quality of sleep you get during a trip so i, I think jeff said something about that yeah, in our emails yeah, right? jeff, he was, i need yeah. my, I need my he, own solo like, tent i need my own tent i, I think we can all agree <laughs> on that you know? I, i've heard kevin snore some nights yeah <laughs> he did on our trip last year even with the earplugs yeah that that brings up another good point. I no, mean, that was a bear <laughs> uh, whispering sweet nothings in your ear. Uh, I feel like sleep is one of the more important things on a hunting trip. Um, just especially once you get on those long seven day trips, because I find for me, you know, if I'm only sleeping six hours a night, that third or fourth day, uh, I'm definitely going to have to, you know, sleep in. Maybe just take a nap midday. Yeah, you start dragging. It affects your mental. It just affects your everything. Yeah, yeah. It affects your sharpness. Affects your. Yep. I mean, your muscles can't. If you if you're doing if you're putting out a lot of caloric work out there, you know you you, you don't really gain it back. And and sleep is one of the biggest things you can do to to rest your body to you know get get ahead. So I think yeah. sleep sleep out in the field on on a multi day trip is probably the most important thing you can do for the enjoyment of, of your trip. I think, yeah. it, I think it makes it or breaks it, you know? Yeah. It's very lo- overlooked. And I mean, that just, you got to kind of ask yourself, uh, what level of comfort you want, you know, what's your minimum level of comfort when you're looking at a tent? You know, if you're, if you aren't going to get a, you know, a good night's sleep, sleeping, you know, two inches from a guy, uh, you know, you should probably just spend the extra money and, and upgrade bring your own tent yeah you or bring tent. bring your own tent yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you can get yourself into a silex which is fairly capable in the weather and comfortable yeah. extremely comfortable for one guy and you're still only two pounds even if you have a nest in there so yeah. i'd be perfectly fine with that if we took like a six person as a gathering tent and had a stove in there <laughs> cooking and stuff in there and then everybody had their own tent i'd be perfectly fine with that i mean yeah. you could you could really justify that to me yeah 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 i don't think that would be uh a horrible idea. Um, you just have to be aware of the person who's getting dragged away by the bear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just make sure you're sleeping in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, don't don't sleep on the outside. No. You might I'm, be the first uh, one to get grabbed. I'm, yeah. I'm just I'm just gonna take a bag of gummy bears and stick them in Owen's tent and <laughs> not tell him about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that'll be that'll be funny when you hear me screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Put some uh, put some bacon grease on Lansdale's tent. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think on the topic of sleep too. I think it's important to note you may you may have a stove, you may have all these all these capabilities. Keep yourself warm, keep yourself dry, comfortable out in the backcountry. But I think the single best thing you can do outside of your shelter is have a comfortable, well-rated sleeping bag and sleeping pad. Yeah, I think. Me and Kevin have been using the Western Mountaineer bags. I think you use one too, right? Yeah, Nathan? I do. I've been using one for 10, 12 years. And they are just knockout good. You know, yeah. I I have never slept like that in the backcountry, car camping, whatever it is. Having an accurately rated sleeping bag that dries you out in the night is, yeah. It, when you wake up and you're nice and dry and you're happy, yeah, it's it's huge. You know, yeah. you, you may be able to get that stove going, but. Honestly, being in a in a solo shelter with a nice sleeping bag is is game changing. 
Yeah. Well, and that's why liners are so important. You know, I feel like there's, I've had multiple camping trips where I've, you know, you wake up in the morning and you got water dripping on your face. You know, especially if you got a down sleeping bag. Uh, you know that can be a that can just ruin your trip. West I mean, Mountaineering, yeah, the West around. Mountaineering. If you, <laughs> if you get the microfiber or the GWS windstopper, microfiber is like twelve hundred height. Of, no, it's two thousand. It's two thousand millimeters high. Yeah, of the extreme light is twelve hundred. Wow. Yeah, you, you can on the microfiber bag. You can actually pour water on them, and it'll just pool. Just repels off. If you ever try to wash one of those things, I mean, it's it's like trying to drown a fish. Yep. To actually get them to wet out. Uh, that's really tough. I, I think with a good sleeping bag too, you 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 have more capability of getting better ventilation. You aren't as scared of uh, having having uh, wind and stuff come in because you, you know a good sleeping bag is keeping you comfortable. So you can you can kind of get the draft in there, get some good ventilation. For example, me and Kevin had uh, we set up our Cimarron, we set it up off the ground a little bit and get us some nice ventilation, and we just put logs around it. We we in, we're in an area that was had logs available for us to use and and we uh we just put them around the tent and zero condensation the tent was always dry everything was always dry and and we didn't have a draft because we had blocked off those areas all right let me let me talk for a second and build on some of this stuff on the the comfort i think you've got a hard break in trips on whether you take a stove or you don't take a stove and I think I'm well qualified on this because I'm a wimp when it comes to sleeping cold. I mean, I, I will take a sleeping bag that beats the expected lows by 30 degrees and still get cold. Um, I, you know, I, I take a five degree bag most of the time and it's going to be in the 20s or 30s and, and I'll still get cold sometimes. Um, and part of that's that, you know, I don't live at high elevation. You go to high elevation, the humidity's completely different. Just everything's different. You know, your body's just not right. Takes a while to adjust. Part of it is high exertion levels. I mean, extremely high exertion levels. You're sweating all day. You try not to, you know, you try to layer and stuff, but you're still going to sweat. Um, high elevation, so, you know, even on a cloudy day, you can get sunburnt. So you had some sunburn with some really high elevation, weather moving in, uh, just all this stuff and hot, you know, high winds outside and stuff. You have to get up in the night, go to the bathroom or whatever, and I get chilled. And once you get chilled, it's really hard to get that stopped. Yeah. Um, so last year, uh, the night that I shot my bull, I looked and looked and looked for him. I couldn't find him that night. I had to go back and get him the next morning. And I was beat when I got back to camp. Like I, I'd gone, I'd done more than I should have done. I was sweaty. Um, I'd been been sunburnt over the course of the previous couple of days. Weather was moving in, temperature dropping. Uh, we had 30 to 40 mile an hour winds. Go out in the night and just body racking chills by the time I got back inside. Get in the sleeping bag wearing my down, my down jacket even, and still just body racking chills. Um, fire the stove up within 15 minutes it's like 75 degrees in the tent and when when you have those kind of experiences um, that stove is like a safety valve it's like okay I can do this I can get enough wood to make myself comfortable you know if I have a night like this instead of suffering through it all night not sleeping at all I can keep that stove rolling if I need to and everything's going to be okay because if you get in those kind of trips without a stove where you're just shivering in your sleeping bag all night and that's all you have to look forward to for the next three or four nights, that's when, that's when people bail out. I've been in that situation with Ken. We were hunting over by Aspen and I hadn't hunted that area before. And we took an LBO. It was the first year the LBO was out, so it had the two-part vestibule. So it was tight for us. And I went super light and decided not to go with the stove. We ended up in this high basin, right, and camped down by the creek. It was cold, you know, watching for elk until, uh, until the sun sets cold. We tried starting a fire. There's no way the fire could uh, keep you warm. It was too cold out. 
you know, um, hopped in, hopped in the tent, no stove, um, spent most of the night just shivering, you know, um, it sucks. It's, I, I think I, I've heard, I've heard Nathan say something about turning a, a bad trip into, for example, the, the people you're talking about sleeping under that 18 inch tarp, turning a bad trip into something like, like a good good experience like a good, good memories good memories you know something if you go get your boots wet and it's cold you aren't getting them dry again without without no. some kind of fire without some 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 way to dry no you're gonna out. be chipping ice off your shoelaces in the morning and get them tied that's just awful and no, nothing nothing helps make a trip better than than just enjoyment and just in general and then i think that really starts with being warm, being prepared, and, and I think a stove is a, a huge a huge thing you can bring. Well, I used to, uh, when you were young, and we did some of the day hunts, yep. I'd go home and immediately fire up the wood stove in the house Yeah, no, and exactly. stand next to it. So, I mean, it's just like you don't have to go home to do that. And, and it's yeah. free entertainment. You go, yeah, it's, yeah it's, caveman it's, TV. There's yeah. nothing better than the fire at the end of the night. Um, I also think, you know, even in archery season, you know, that August 29th before September even hits, if you're high enough and, you know, you take a little tumble into a creek, you know, close to dark, you're going to, you're going to be cold. It's going to be cold. Um, and another reason to bring a stove even that early is, you know, at least in Colorado, a lot of the times there's a fire ban. Now, depending on what level that fire ban is, you might be able to take a stove, but you can't have an open fire. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, stage one, you can use the stove with the spark arrester. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I I personally even even bring the stove on a lot of car camping trips. Number one, because it's so small. And number two, I mean, it gets cold up in the mountains. We were in Crested Butte in the later fall, and it's 20 degrees at night. We were a little unprepared. And it's it makes camping nice, you know. We had we had all of our buddies in there. Everybody was hanging out. It's 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 a good tool if used used correctly, brought the the right times. I the guess stove is a tool. On a side note, we really didn't intend to get into the stove stuff, um, but I guess we could might as well do a quick and, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, quick, it's hunting tents. That's yeah. part of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, when it, in my opinion, like we've used the U-turn when we're most weight conscious, yep. right? Yeah. Um, the box stove is a little less fiddly, yep. you know what I mean? Yeah. And you and I, Nathan and I, we've used, we use the SXL in the mm-hmm. courthouse. Yep. We've also used the Big Mama one yep. time and Red Cliff trying to go for max overkill. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, I mean, there isn't really a right or wrong on the stoves. I mean, in... In the Cimarron size and lower, a cub still going to be far better than not yeah. having a stove. Yeah. Um, and it's going to take the chill off at least somewhat and make it more palatable. Yeah. That being said, there's a fiddle factor versus yeah. weight with stoves. And generally, the longer stoves um, are less fiddly and require less time to break down wood for them. And I, I think that's something good to touch on since yeah. we're here. I mean, because let's face it, most uh, most hunting stuff is in the early spring, late fall, and uh, that's not backpacking season. There's not yep. see that's another difference in backpacking tents and hunting tents. You're not going to find a ton of backpacking tents that are running wood stoves because yep. most backpacking and shoulder season stuff they're not mm. out in nasty weather. Yep. Yeah, you know it's the crazy people who buy these tags and they're bound by this season being open and they're going to be out there regardless of what the weather is exactly so they're going to be suffering through some just terrible weather and that that stove can really make a huge difference in your mental health during the trip Mm -hmm. and i i think it's good to talk on since we get so many questions mean me and ryan work customer service and we get a lot of questions about what stove to go with with your tent i don't necessarily think there's a wrong or right answer i think there's a little bit more of an answer on your like comfort, right? The bigger your stove, the, the longer the, of a burn. The hard, time you're the get. hard breaks on stoves. Um, the hard break is take one or don't take one. Yeah. 
and, and I think that's the first hard break. Like trips that I would not take one be early, you know, like archery elk, um, just because the temperatures are typically not real bad. Uh, but also when it is that warm, you're going to have to get meat out real fast. Mm. So if you're having to bring meat and gear out, I want minimum That's on the gear. Point. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so it, it, I really want to go lighter and and stuff on on archery elk. Late season, you've got the temperatures where you can deal with meat over a week if you need mm-hmm. to. Typically, you know, you get it hung in the in the shade, and you're down in the twenties at night. You're going to be fine. So yeah. uh, you can really, you know, take a little bit more gear there. For sure. Um, another rule that people and this is not a rule there's exceptions to every rule but guideline how about that guideline on on tents is when you add a stove to the tent it's like adding another person to the tent um so your your occupancy is reduced by quite a bit because you've got the stove and then you've got the safety area around the stove and then you've got a wood pile um so they do eat up some space and typically in a hot tent I'm going to want a little bigger tent than I would be willing to accept uh, without a stove. On, on top of, you know, if, if you plan on bringing, bringing a stove, you may be planning on bringing extra gear, which yeah. adds up. So we typically size all of our tents down about to half of what we rate their capacity at. The Cimarron, yeah. we rate as a four-person with, with a stove. With a stove, it's really a two. Yeah, with a two. Same goes for the eight-person. It's, it's, it's really a four-person. You know, if you're bringing, you're bringing extra gear to be warm... And you got a stove in there, you could you could plan on fitting four people pretty pretty happily. You could you could fit more, but it would get real tight. Yep. Well, let's bring it back to to uh, tents here. Um, I just had a couple more questions. Um, what a lot of guys they'll call in and you know they don't know whether to decide on sc- doing door screens or a nest or liners yeah. uh what what are you guys kind of recommended um accessories for hunting tents i think like, i think it goes back a little bit to the 80 20 like nathan was talking yeah. about yeah if you're using it primarily in a buggy area 80 percent of the time you, you you would desire a door screen get it you know mm. it's, it's not that much extra weight to bring for me in colorado we're pretty blessed we don't have a crazy amount of bugs i mean they can get bad sometimes but it's not like it's not like other extremely wet environments. So I opt to go with no door screens because then when it comes hunting season, I'm not bringing that extra seven to ten ounces. You know, I'm not bringing the extra weight there, and and it packs down actually smaller than mm-hmm. than it would with the door screens. Well, I I'll, I'll offer a counter point of view. Um, I have a tendency to favor a nest. For the yeah, bugs and, exactly. to put, and to put no screen yep. on the tent myself. The screen is always there. The weight is always there right. on every trip. The door it's right. sewn in. Right. Well, and a, a screen is not like if you're like me, snakes. If I see a snake in a hunting trip, I'm relocating. I'm packing to the next base and I'm going up three thousand <laughs> feet. I don't care. You sound like me. <laughs> yeah. you, you Colorado guys, I live in. This is Nathan. I live in Tennessee, so we are uh, extremely blessed by billions of ticks, yeah. mosquitoes, snakes, mud, and moisture. So uh, we get condensation. We, <laughs> you know, if you want to test a, a tent for those conditions, Tennessee is a great place to do it. Yeah. Um, so. On bugs, if my wife is going to camp with me, bless her heart, we will be in a nest. Yep. Well, there's if, there, some, if there is no nest, she will not go. There's yeah. there's some ways to handle bugs outside of that. And, yeah, there, there are. And I want to back up just a hair. Like in the liner world, I will tell anyone that is on the Pacific Northwest Coast yeah. primarily well, that liner take a liner. Yep. Yeah, or get a liner. Right. You can do it without. I know some people that do it without. But the vast amount of people are going to want a yeah. liner, just sewn in. Maybe they take it out in the summer when they're under intense high pressure. Yep. But I don't use a liner very often. I can just wipe stuff down with a rag if condensation becomes problematic. As we've seen, lifting the tent a couple inches does an amazing thing for reduction of condensation. Yeah, yeah. Ven- ventilation uh, yeah. is the key. Yeah. yeah, ventilation does a great job on that. Um, I will go with the nest if I think something's really buggy 
There are some other strategies if you're concerned is flying insects. A thermocell actually does work pretty well. Yep, very well. Um, you can smoke cigars. They can work pretty well. Uh, <laughs> you know. Um, Lightweight. Uh, my brother and I in the Sawtooths, they were super buggy a few years ago. And on our second backcountry trip, we took uh, real DEET, fake DEET, you know, or, or, or green DEET, right? That wasn't supposed to be as harmful. The Picaridin uh, or whatever? Yeah, and we took uh, cigars, some other things, you know, and we just tried all these different strategies for, for bugs, right? The... Uh, the fake DEET um, required application every few minutes, um, where real DEET didn't. But cigars actually were surprisingly effective. So if you like to smoke a cigar sometimes, I mean, you can throw Hey, looks like I better start smoking cigars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> make, make your trip a little bit more fun while you're yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. I've got a That's tip. interesting. I've got a tip for um, tick areas, because hmm? I, I live in a tick area. Um, Move. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I like where I live. It's a great place. You just have, I mean, anywhere you are, you've got things that you don't like that you have to learn to deal with. Um, you can go to an ag supply store, and like a farm supply store, and find some chemicals for cattle that have permethrin in it. It's the same stuff that Sawyer makes, but much, much, much cheaper. And you can mix up a gallon in like a gallon garden sprayer, if you're truck camping, when you get to your spot and you say, I want to put my tent right here, take that pump sprayer out and just spray around the footprint of the tent. Let that dry. You will not have ticks in there. And if I do this with my wife because, if, again, she is not going to go camping if she's going to get ticks on her. So, again, said that experience thing. I want her to go and I want her to have a good time. So... You know, a little bit of work on the front end, do that, and then stick a nest in there, no issues. Of course, we got two two young kids, too. Do so. you have another spray for snakes? No spray for <laughs> snakes. Um, no, Throw no, some. no no spray for snakes that I'm aware of. I think we've all been giving uh, Nathan a little grief about the snakes and the, the bugs, ticks, water. You know, rat snakes and black racers are not that bad. It's just the copperheads and the rattlesnakes that you have to worry about. He brings a different experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, a different perspective, which is uh, apparently the most dangerous rattlesnake uh, around is actually pretty prevalent in Junction, but it's a small. The Mojave, Mojave Green. No, there's another one that is. I was reading about it that it's fairly tiny and Hmm. people don't even realize it's there a lot of the time. But based on, I think it's body size or whatever, it's actually the most venomous. Hmm. I almost almost stepped on one. Oh, you did. One of those tiny little ones. The, what is it? The western pygmy? I have Something no, like that? No idea. It was <laughs> terrifying though. I hate snakes. But honestly, in, in all my time in the desert, which has been a lot of time, a lot of hours out there, I actually haven't seen that many snakes. Honestly, been pretty lucky. I saw, I jumped one on the mountain bike trail. Nice <laughs> yellow one. Just bunny hopped it? it oh, it was terrifying. I, was like, I hope he doesn't, I hope he doesn't strike me. Just midair. That would, that would suck. I'd probably crash and die. Poison, so. Yeah, that's, that's definitely something to think about. I mean. Nests are great. Yeah, nests, if you're, especially with ticks, you know, I feel like Lyme disease, you know, people are discovering that Lyme disease is just a brutal Brutal disease, you know, there's all sorts of other diseases that ticks carry, and, you know, well, probably screens, just need a nest. Uh, again, hard breaks. Screens, great against mosquitoes, yellow jackets, biting flies. So if you're in um, Canada, you know, B.C., parts of Alaska where there are no ticks, but you have tons of mosquitoes, and you do a lot of August camping, yeah, screens make a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, but if you're in parts of Idaho or the Southeast or the Northeast where there's tons of ticks and mosquitoes and you go to Colorado and do high country stuff, just get a nest, get a nest, yeah. get yeah. get, you know, get your tent with no screens. So it'll be light when you do your, your trip without it, but then get a nest and that protects you from mud, bugs, snakes, everything. We should also touch on the fact that a nest is, is a little bit more multi-purpose as it yeah. does do a little bit of uh, condensation protection. It that, does, yeah. It'll that, catch some drips yeah. and wick. and That mesh is, is very tightly And it woven. does reduce, actually, 
ground-borne condensation a little bit because it's trapped under yeah. the floor yeah. footprint of it. So there'll be a little less condensation There's a, from it, the ground. A lot of benefits. And it does reduce drafts. So if you wanted to raise up the shelter a little and then reduce the... Uh, to get a little more airflow, that'll reduce condensation, and you won't feel it as directly in the nest as you would otherwise. A nest, a nest is super beneficial. The the only negative in that aspect is you're adding it, it's weight. It's a lot it's, of weight. It is, but the weight. One thing we haven't, we probably need to update on the website is our weights on nests because we changed them over more to the silex eolus style. Um, started making a hard break that we were going to use the lighter floor material if you weren't able to walk around in it. And if it was a walk around nest, it was going to get the heavier duty yep. floor material. Yep. So they probably have went from say 24 ounces down closer to 18, 20 ounces in, Which in that is size. Competitive. It's light. This is close to the liner. Yeah. And I mean, I take, and this is probably a little bit relevant as well. I I, I have a German short hair. Uh, she's a sweet dog. Ran into someone with a German short hair yesterday, and they were asking how to keep their German short hair in their tent uh, at night. And I said, I, I just take a, I take a nest. I said, otherwise, she's hunting stuff all yeah. night long. I leave my yeah. dog at home. The yeah. first time I took my dog out, we were camping by the beach, and there was, you know, camp robbers everywhere, little squirrels running by all night. And uh, about two in the morning, me and my girlfriend awoke to a, a huge commotion, and we ended up with a, you know, a two-foot slash in our tent in the mesh because uh, my dog had gone after a squirrel. So that is, you know, that is something to consider. Our dog just howls at the coyotes all night. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't take her anymore. Oh, the, it was funny. I was camping up above, above Timberline with mine. Her name's Iris, and she was she was so frustrating me. I was so pissed at her because the first night out, she usually has to hunt all night. Yeah. She's got all this stored up energy. Yeah. After that, she usually is kind of a couch potato. I set up the tent, she crawls in it, you know. <laughs> uh, but the first night, she has all this energy. So she was up chasing all these alpine critters, and I forgot to take a headlamp on that trip. No, I, I had no lights. There was no moon. It was super dark. I didn't even really know where she was. And then... Probably about midnight, she decided to settle down in the tent. And about four, she was like, I have to get out. I have to get out. So I let her out. And I, at that point, I literally was like, F you, dog. You know, you're, you're on my last nerves, right? She was out for about 10 minutes, heard coyotes. She came running back to the tent so fast. Like, protect me, protect me. There's other wild dogs out there. I'm no longer the top of the food chain out here. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the nest, uh, it kind of touches on that. It sounds like kind of the theme of when you're choosing a hunting tent is going to be the weight versus comfort uh, and size kind of graph there. You yeah, know, weight, weight, weight and comfort, are, they compete against each other. Yeah. You're, you're, you're always trying to find a compromise in there. Yeah. You're, you're trying to find a compromise in, in the size of the pitch, depending on your area. You're trying to find a compromise in your weight, in the comfort you want to be at, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, there it's another kind of break there that you look at back, like ultralight backpacking tents, and they're like, how small and light can I get and still fit inside it? Yeah. Um, because they're walking all day, and then they're only in the tent if they're sleeping. Whereas... You know, if you are in the tent a lot at night, it, it becomes much more of a um, how comfortable can I be during this trip while still having a reasonable weight to pack mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and, and had just have a good experience. I mean, you can do you can do a heck of a lot with three tents. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like an Eolus or Silex, a Cimarron, and, an and, eight. A, and then an eight person. Yeah. You can cover... Almost every conceivable realistic and And situation. even on an eight-person, people have to think about this. You know, if you stick a stove in that thing, you can be at a combo weight as low as 10, uh, most probably going to be 11 or 12 pounds for a combo weight. So if you've got three people, you're four pounds a person. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. That's yeah. Good. Um, and here's another hard break. Uh, 
people don't think about this, but it really does break out this way. When you define comfort, you can break that into sitting room, stooping, and standing. So sitting room is really trekking pole height. Um, now some tent manufacturers will say that 36 inches is sitting room. Oh, because that's as tall as yeah. the tents go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 36 inches for me, uh, I hit my head or I have to crank my head over to the side to sit up. That's awful. That's I hate awesome. that, especially if you're in weather. Um, so our, our shortest tents are going to be like 50, 50 inches? Uh, right around there? You know, the Olus and Silas can go down probably to about 46 if you really okay. want. But I like them better at about 50. And yeah. Yeah. I, I think... I think our Eolus with a nest is an extremely good, and I'm, I'm not saying that I think it's better than the Silex at all, yeah. but it's a two-person. But it is an extremely compelling tent. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, it's doing pretty well. The reviews have been fantastic on it, yeah. on Section Hiker and on other spots. Um, but it's really a full pound. I'm looking at it right now, set up over there with its inner. Looks sharp. Mm -hmm. um, it's fairly roomy for two dudes. Way more roomy than a hubba hubba style two person, yeah. which is more of a spooning tent for two dudes. <laughs> um, and it's really a pound lighter than a default hubba. Yeah. And it does really well with condensation, and it does really well in rain and stuff like that. Yeah. Plus, it's a extremely good tarp if you just want a tarp to throw in your pack. Yep. The Silex, all the same stuff applies, and in some ways the Silex is even better than the Olus, but it's a one person. It's a smaller. Yeah, yeah it, a little smaller. The, 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 the most compelling thing about the Silex to me is I'm, I'm six foot three, and I've got an eight inch tall go-cot and a Thermarest luxury map sleeping pad that's like three inches thick. I slept on top of that thing in a Silex. Eight inch tall cot with a three inch thick sleeping pad. I'm six foot three and I slept in a Silex in on that cot and could still sit up in it and not hit my head on the tent. Yep. That's people I'm, people don't understand how huge that thing is inside. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a common at Western Hunter last year. Yes, yeah. people were like Holy cow, this thing is big. It's, it's yeah, insanely I put a, hard I to I put tell. a couple guys in it that were 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, They're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's roomy. So back to the uh, sitting, stooping, standing. Sitting, um, you know, I think our tents are good on sitting height, but the next real break in comfort is when you can actually stoop over, lean over, and walk in. And you don't have to go to your knees. Again, as you get older, that gets harder. I'm learning that. Um, but then the, you know, the key is standing room. Like mm -hmm. if you can just walk in and walk around, then that really becomes a quote unquote comfortable camp. And in our lineup, there's really a mathematical break that starts at the eight person. Um, like if you take the six person and eight person, there's only eight inches t difference in height. Uh, the six person's seven foot ten. The eight person's eight foot six. The eight person has over three times as much standing room for a six foot person as the six person does. So it's just over that mathematical breaking point. That's really the first tent I would say is a real comfortable camp. Uh, the, the courthouse is yeah, pretty... courthouse too. But it's a it's a two pole tent, yeah, so yeah. it's kind of a special yeah, it's yeah sort special of a corner case. case. Now I think one thing we didn't really we haven't really addressed is hunting off of pack animals oh right? yeah that doesn't really change it a whole lot no um you're just gonna have a tendency to want to be more comfortable and size up on that go a little bit bigger go with the the courthouse you know you can afford the extra weight with the two pool two poles well the 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 key to the courthouse is yeah you've got to take the the second pole but that thing's got I would say in headroom and standing room, it is very comparable to an eight-person teepee. But the footprint is much closer to a Cimarron. Yes. So if you're in trees or brush, you, know, you can really pitch that thing down in a pretty tight spot. And then because you've got those vertical sidewalls on it, snow has a tendency to slide off and then just drop. 
Whereas on a teepee, it kind of sags. It hangs on the fabric and sags, so you have to maintain it a lot more. So courthouse is a it's a special case. It does it does some things really differently. Yeah, it's an it's an oddball yeah. in our in our lineup for sure, right? I think it's an oddball we need to build upon. Yeah, and I think I think we probably will um, build some things that are maybe similar to it at some point. But you know, it's right now it's kind of the oddball out there, but it's very space efficient, and yeah. if it's set up well, it does surprisingly well in the wind mm-hmm. and i've i've lived in it for a week 10 days in arizona with a cot and stove stand you know felt kind of like i was cheating as well you know um it was better than a hotel in my opinion because i was able to have a fire you know so um base camp with cots like you're camping in a field you're day hiking in um we haven't really covered that situation well, there's three types of cots, in my opinion. On the small end, you've got the Helinox, Thermarest, you know, quote-unquote backpacking cots that'll be, aren't they in like the three to four pound range usually? Yeah, those, I've seen people use them. I've camped with people that have used them in the yeah. backcountry. I think you're better off with an air pad. I would take, I would take the luxury mat over yeah. a cot combo. Even though the luxury mat is like a five-pound yeah. pad, that thing I sleep better than my bed on. Yeah, and you're not you. The Helinox, all that, it's not far enough off the ground to use that space to store anything. Yeah, you know. Um, so, with how these work with our tents, Helinox, uh, Thermarest, cots, I don't think they really change the dynamics that much. If you want to use one, that's fine. You can use them in a, even in a Cimarron, and it's it doesn't change things that much. If you go to a standard height cot that's 15 to 19 inches tall, that pushes you toward the center of our teepees hard um, because the teepees are going to slope. They've got sloping sidewalls. Um, so to be 24 inches above there you've got to come out toward the center quite a bit and it it just the cot the tall cots eat a lot of space so people need to be aware of that if you want to fit three cots three to four cots i mean you're probably looking at like a 12 person Uh, it's a 12 yeah a 12 is going to be the better tent for three or four regular size cots yeah 12 or 16 and if you want to do like two cots courthouse courthouse perfect for that you can do it in an eight. I, you know, I, I do that. Um, but there is a third type of cot, and I've got a bunch of these. Um, I'm not affiliated with the company that makes them, obviously. But it's GoCot, and they're American-made, uh, I think in Alabama. Been around a long time. Um, you know, we're in the sewn, sewn goods industry, and I respect their craftsmanship. I really do. They do a good job with their stuff. But they make an eight inch tall cot and make it with thousand D Cordura and aluminum and um, they work really well in our tents. Now it's not a ultra light cot. They weigh like nine or 10 pounds or something. But if you want a cot that works well in our tents, um, even in the smaller ones, but isn't as expensive or, or whatever as those Helinox Thermarest cots, cause they're pricey, then uh, that's a really good option. This advertisement brought to you yeah. by Coleman. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I've contacted them a few times about trying to work together and stuff, and they've never returned my emails. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so they're not they never very, have. They're not, they don't care or they're not very strong on the business <laughs> dev side. Oh, yeah, they, they just yeah. don't like Nathan. I talk yeah, to, they them. I talk to him every day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm from Tennessee. I speak to the same language. They can they understand do. you. Yeah, they should be able to. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think... I think we've covered most everything. I think uh, to give a little bit more of a real-world recommendation, I think what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to kind of just get everybody's opinion here. We're going to have Kevin talk about one to two person. I'll talk two to three person. We're gonna, we're talking about second to third season Elk, Colorado, high country, nice and cold. Don't know what the weather's going to be. And then uh, Nathan, you want to talk four plus. Just kind of give your recommendation, what you would so take. What, second, second season? Second or third season. Second or third Expe- season. You're, ex- okay. you're expecting cold weather. You're expecting snow. Where, where are we going? We're going 
We're, are going we? where, we're going where we've been hunting. Okay, so we are climbing feet in yep. and camping at Taking a silex, my partner's going to have to get used to the spooning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm renting some llamas. Yeah. So, um. so, so we're, talking, we're talking hard country. It's on your back. And, you know, you'll probably have to bring your own water sometimes. You know, it's, it, it, it's, it's hard work to get up there. So, so light is definitely a bit of a priority. And I think, uh, yeah, let's just hear Kevin's opinion first. I'm going to take a Cimarron. Maybe I'll step up to a Red Cliff. Depends. Um, probably on who I'm going with. If it's a for two people, it really probably just depends on, you know, is the other person wanting to share some of the load? Then we'll probably step up to the red cliff. But if it's me packing it in, they're probably going to get stuck in a Cimarron. So, uh, although there's far worse things to get stuck in. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll probably take a, a U-turn with the Cimarron. Probably take a U-turn large with the Red Cliff as well. Cool. Um, so think, that's it. I think if uh, for two to three people we're hiking up, it's going to be cold. I would rather probably either take a six-person or a Red Cliff. Red Cliff would probably be my minimum um, up there, that kind of kind of season. I'd probably large U-turn. Unless I'm expecting really, really cold weather and crappy weather, then I might step up to the SXL. Uh, but I think the large U-turn would suffice for most most anything I need. Yeah, we used to use the six for three people. Keeps it light. Yeah, yeah. And, and the six person, you got you got room to change in. You got some more hangout room than the Red Cliff if you're you know if you want to stand. You got more standing height. Um, and taking that U-turn, six person's gonna do great in weather, just like most of our shelters are so i'd probably say the six person large u-turn stove make somebody else carry the u-turn make somebody else carry the pole and stakes and somebody carry the six person and our weights kind of will will go out and everybody will be divided so i got a i got one for you owen you're a big desert camper you don't have a rooftop tent you got to take a tent tent what's your setup there Tent, tent. For you, you and you and Grace, you and your girlfriend. Simmer on full nest. Sim full unless, nest. Unless it's going to be the cold time in the desert, then we're going Red Cliff, standard Red Cliff, with a half nest for us, and some good sleeping bags and a uh, nice SXL stove. Actually, an Beautiful. XL stove. Because XL. That's what I have. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so that, I mean, that's the two that I've been using. Um, I really like. I really like the Red Cliff with the half nest and the stove because you still have room to hang out in. You can throw your camp chairs in there. You can hang out in there. You can cook in there. Do all the things you want to. you got a space that's protected for sleeping. And if it's cold enough in the desert, you aren't going to have flying bugs as much. You really just got to worry about ground stuff. Snakes. So that would be my recommendation. If it's going to be warmer, I'm taking a Cimarron or a Cimarron light that I can get off the ground a few inches, get some nice ventilation in there. I'm taking a full nest um, for us and the dog, and I mean you're gonna have more room and comfort than you'll ever need. So, I use I use the Cimarron with full nest as basically my drive around camp. Yep, you know it's perfect. Uh, and we and Angie and I have used it, you know, in a trip in the Boundary Waters and stuff like that nice. before too. You know, and you know if you're not if you don't care super much about the weight, um, it's, perfect. It's yeah, yeah great. One more thing, just real quick to touch on with the nesting. I mean, that's also another option if you are in the desert. You're going to a place with uh, not a lot of content, not a lot of, not a high chance of rain. You know, there's people that will take out just the nest, right, and and just use that oh, yeah, as we a did tent. A, we did that on the Escalani yeah. um, pack rafting trip yeah. three years ago. We used, we had the Cimarron and nest. I think we used the canopy two nights when there was some rain. Yep. Um, but the other four, five, six nights, whatever, we just use the net. Yeah. It's another reason to get a nest, the versatility. Well, what about you, Nathan? Nathan? Okay, I'm, I'm going to add some context around this. So we're doing four people, second or third rifle, elk hunt, mule deer, maybe a mix. Where are we elk hunt? So I'm familiar with the area. I know of two spots that I know that we can get a big footprint in 
I'm gonna assume that it is this group. So for people who can't see us, you've got me and Kevin, um, and then you've got the young guys. <laughs> <laughs> so Owen, you're like 21, and Ryan- 26. 26, and both of them are super fit. So what I'm gonna do is Kevin and I will be in charge of divvying up the backpack weight. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're going to take a 12-man with an XL stove because I know that we can get it up there. And the type of hunting that we do up there, when you, when you get the elevation gained, it sucks getting up there. It's just, it's, it's a hard slog. But once we get up there, you're on top of a ridge line that runs for miles. So you're day hunting from there, and you can trail run this ridge line. And you can book a mile down and then, you know, be in a different hunting area. So This is in Montana, by the way. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's absolutely in Montana at 10-8. Exactly. Um, you know, these high ridge lines. Um, so... I know that we're going to be day hunting. I know we're going to set up a base camp. I know we're not moving our tent once we get it set up. I know that I've got the footprint to get it pitched in a couple different spots. Um, so, you know, we, I know that we can get it up there. And once it's there, we've got a super comfortable camp. So I, I'm probably going to do 12 person. You can do that same trip in an eight, but man, a 12 is just so much more comfy. It's huge. It's just huge. To add on to that, you know, I, I think the older guys have a little bit more experience, so they should be carrying the weight just because they know how to handle it a little bit better. And I think they made the backpack. So yeah, they, yeah. Well, they know how to work. We're going to train you guys <laughs> how to pack the heavy weight with your packs. You know, the, there is a payment to gain experience over time. So um, if you want us to give you that experience in backpack hunting <laughs> you're going to have to help pack meat and pack weight in order to gain that i'm actually i'm just bringing a merlin <laughs> yeah let me, let, me, let me show you how to yeah. carry 120 pounds <laughs> yeah, there you go. Let, let me load your pack for you i'll make sure that <laughs> make sure it's done right exactly yeah. <laughs> i'm running a mule that's what i'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. well I, I i think we've covered everything we need to cover i think, covered a uh, lot i think yeah. i think we uh i think it's time to sign out i think yeah, uh, awesome yeah, I think we're all set. So. From BHA Rendezvous 2021. Oh, by the way, let's. Uh, we need to add in that if you have questions, comments, um, ideas you'd like to see for a show, um, contact us at podcast at seekoutside.com. Um, you also can usually throw something on our Seek Outside Adventures on Facebook. Um, a bunch of us respond to questions there as well. You know, if you're having pack fit issues um questions if you can't fit it on your girlfriend <laughs> and then and, inside and, joke and then yeah. and, and, and while we're on the topic might as well uh, might as well throw it out and go check us out on instagram at seek outside check us out on youtube seek outside as well we got tons of information there on how our products work and overviews of some of our products uh, if you have any other questions directly based towards customer service, go ahead and send us an email at info, I-N-F-O, at seekoutside.com. And, yeah, I think, uh, I think we're all good. Have a great day.